Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sat Street Journal. My name is Jeff, and this week I'm going to be going it alone because Chance has decided to abandon me for the wonderful woods of Colorado. Uh, last week we had talked about exchanges and kind of getting started and getting your feet wet and getting yourself a little bit of a Bitcoin or whatever crypto you want to buy. This week we want to talk about wallets and self-custody and why it's important to take control of your own keys. So jumping right into this, exchanges offer a very easy way to get onboarded, but there are some trade-offs to be aware of, uh, kind of in the area of privacy, security, and censorship resistance. So it's important to like know these different trade-offs, know the risks involved, and just make sure that all your needs are being met by all the options that are available to you. With that being said, I'm going to jump into the incredibly nuanced topic of privacy. I will not be able to cover everything in one video. Uh, but I just want to talk about some of the trade-offs that you make whenever you're using something like an exchange uh, versus using like a personal wallet. Exchanges are treated basically like banks. Uh, they're required to collect certain information like your name, number, address, social security number, all the stuff that you normally would have to give up whenever you're opening a bank account. Uh, compare that to a personal wallet where it's you can download any number of app off of an app store or the play store and all it asks whenever you open up the app is just to write down 12 to 24 words and all that is is it's just a backup of your wallet so that if you lose your phone then you can recover that wallet uh, and you can recover your funds uh, but beyond that it doesn't actually need even like a name or an email address it's just a wallet um, and some of these apps will actually let you even purchase cryptocurrencies using something like a debit card. Uh, now, you do give up the, the card info whenever you do that, but you're not giving up any sort of other real information like your social security number or your address or stuff like that. Now, the risk involved with using an exchange in regards to privacy, at least, is that they are required to hold on to some of that information, which makes it a big honeypot for hackers. If someone hacked in and stole all that information, then they could now sell that on some dark marketplace and your information could be out there for the world to see. So it's really important to know that trade-off that whenever you're signing up for these exchanges, you have to trust that they're able to keep your information safe. However, that doesn't mean that if you use a personal wallet, suddenly you are completely anonymous. There's still a lot of kind of nuanced things. There's a lot of tools that you can use to improve your privacy. There's a lot of best practices that you should follow. There's a lot of ways that if you are trying to do this self-custody route, that you could actually end up hurting your privacy worse than if you just were using an exchange wallet. Now, with all that being said, we are planning on making future videos about these specific tools that you can use and how to maintain privacy and best practices around it. So definitely subscribe, stick around. We will be releasing more videos about that kind of stuff uh, for those of you who are interested. For now, I'm going to move on into the next topic of security. Keeping money on an exchange is pretty much like keeping cash in a bank account before there was FDIC insurance. If the exchange goes under, you are pretty much out of luck. There are some exchanges that do offer insurance, but it's all going to be dollar denominated insurance. So if you had like one Bitcoin, you know, 30 ETH or whatever, you just have all these different coins sitting on an exchange and the exchange goes under and you get paid out your insurance. Let's say you had like $60,000 uh, sitting on the exchange. You might get your $60,000 back, but you may not be able to purchase all of the same stuff that you had previously. But that's why it's important to pull your money 
into your own wallet. Uh, because whenever you do that, you are the only one with access to those coins, and so they can't be stolen from you. Now for the trade-offs. So the whole theme of this episode, I hope, has been made very clear. It is personal responsibility. It is important to know if you are going to take self-custody, your privacy and your security are both your responsibility. If you lose your wallet and you lose your seed phrase, which is just that 12 or 24 word list that you're going to get whenever you create a wallet. If you lose both of those things, your funds are most likely gone. There are several very nuanced things that you can do to try and recover them, but more than likely, your funds will be lost. So it is really important that whenever you are setting up your wallet, one of the best things I think you can do is set up your wallet, put like $5 on it, and then just delete it and try and recover it. Just make sure it works, make sure you wrote down the words correctly. And then after you successfully have done that, put the words in a really safe place and just remember where they are, but don't leave it like out in the open where someone can see them because the other risk with that is that if someone has those 12 or 24 words, that seed phrase, if someone has that, they pretty much can steal your money. They, they have access to your funds. It's like leaving a $100 bill laying out just in the open for anyone to take. There's some pretty cool tools that you can use to manage this. I personally use a crypto tag, which is a titanium plate. It's fireproof, waterproof, rustproof, but you use a diamond punch to actually punch your seed phrase into the titanium plate, and that way you can keep it secure and it's safe from stuff like natural disasters. There's a lot of different variants to it though, so you don't need to use like a crypto tag. There's, there's plenty of other variants out on the marketplace, but that's just the one that I personally use. You wouldn't really need it though, unless you're planning on having like a lot of money sitting on your personal wallet. It's kind of like you want to scale your security to match how much money you have in your possession. So you don't need like a fortress if you're just going to be guarding, you know, a single gold coin. But it's always good to practice just so that you're ready whenever you do get that huge hoard of gold to stick in your castle. And if you're not comfortable taking possession of your own keys, then that's fine. I recommend, though, that you do learn and you do experiment with it, maybe with just like a little bit of money to start out with. Just send yourself some transactions, do it back and forth, see what it looks like to build a transaction, and just learn about it and Perhaps you'll become more comfortable and you will feel comfortable taking possession of your own keys, which I think is kind of the ultimate goal, is just to be able to take control of your finances. For the last topic of this video, I wanted to talk about censorship resistance, because that is one of the core components of what makes Bitcoin what it is. Places like PayPal, Visa, MasterCard will all censor certain transactions, and banks will actually decline to open up accounts for something like a marijuana dispensary and other businesses that they deem risky. Because Bitcoin is open source and it is an open network, anyone is able to join and none of the transactions that happen on the network are censored. Anyone's transaction will clear. It doesn't matter for what, to who, or anything like that. There are no OFAC compliant lists. There are no safe businesses to do business with. It is all open, it is all free to do transactions, while at the same time being seizure resistant, which just means that unless coerced, no one can steal or confiscate your Bitcoin from you. Anytime you hear about like the FBI and the Colonial Pipeline hack that happened recently, where the major pipeline for the Eastern 
uh, kind of energy grid was hacked and a ransom was paid to them in Bitcoin. And then it says the FBI seized the private key. They actually didn't recover the private key. They actually traced the transactions uh, through the, the blockchain and were able to identify a custodian um, where the funds had been sent and actually sent a subpoena to them to basically hand over the funds. So it wasn't like they hacked the Bitcoin network. Anytime that you really hear uh, about the FBI seizing funds or anything like that, it's not actually that they're like hacking and breaking Bitcoin's encryption. It's more likely that the private keys were either handed over to them by someone, either a custodian or by one of the accomplices, or they were able to recover a key, but it was left on an unencrypted drive um, just out in the open. Uh, kind of like how I'd mentioned earlier, where if you leave your seed phrase out in the open, it's like leaving a $100 bill on the table. They just came by and were able to uh, seize it that way. The reason that I bring up seizure resistance is because actually in 1933, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed Executive Order 6102. They basically made it illegal for U.S. citizens to own gold, which as ridiculous as it sounds, I don't think that that's out of the question for something like Bitcoin, which is why I think it's important to take self-custody, because if you take self-custody, then no one can take it from you. So that was some of the trade-offs that you have of self-custody versus being on an exchange. I hope that was helpful. Um, we plan to do more because, like I said, there are very nuanced topics that we can get into whenever discussing all these tools and everything like that. Um, if you have any more questions about any of the topics that we kind of went over, then definitely leave them down in the questions below. Uh, we'll try to get back to them or we'll try and answer them in future videos. So for the last part of this video, I actually wanted to talk about El Salvador because they just passed a bill declaring Bitcoin as a legal tender, which means that merchants across the country are about to begin accepting Bitcoin for goods and services. Now, they're going to set up a trust account. So if the merchant doesn't want to actually hold the Bitcoin, they can have it converted into dollars immediately. But that Bitcoin gets into the trust account and then it's going to be held there by the Salvadorian government. This is huge news. The president of El Salvador actually saw a project down there called Bitcoin Beach uh, that partnered with Strike, which is a company by a guy named Jack Mullers, um, that's working on making Bitcoin payments instant and virtually fee-less, um, and you can do it anywhere in the world. He saw that project, thought it was so inspiring that he actually has partnered with them to try and bring that to the rest of the country. Really excited about it, especially because 24% of El Salvador's GDP is remittance. Um, there aren't very many banks and ATMs, so a lot of people have to travel pretty far in order to pull those funds out. And there's a lot of crime involving robbery and stuff like that. With Bitcoin and Lightning, people are able to accept payment and accept remittances from anywhere in the world in the comfort of their own home. They don't have to travel an hour to go to the bank to pull money off of a card or um, accept a Western Union or anything like that. So really cool. Just wanted to mention that um, they actually <laughs> they actually uh, have already directed one of the state-owned energy companies to start a well um, mining Bitcoin from volcanoes, which is super cool. So that's it for this video. I'm really hoping that you uh, enjoyed it. I'm sorry that it's getting out a little bit late. I know that it's a solo episode as well. I know that we had a little bit of a mismatch of times, uh, but we're going to have another episode out next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, and I hope that you all have a great day.